Yeah, that was some pretty awesome praying, guys. I thought it was uh, really great to hear the voices. Uh, it's interesting to me, what I'm about to preach on, we touched on several times. Kathy actually quoted this verse, so we're definitely in the right spot. So I'm going to pray really quick, and I got a quick message. This should be pretty simple. So, Father, I pray that you would bless this time. Bless me to speak the words that you would have me speak, and help us to hear from you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. This message today is about God does not give you the spirit of fear. Um, and literally, Kathy just read it or spoke it, but I'm going to read it again. This, this main scripture is from 2 Timothy 1, 7. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. And it's this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power and of love, and of a sound mind. So I want you to think, while I'm talking today, I want you to think about what you're afraid of. What, you, what, you, what makes you scared, what you're afraid of. And, I don't, and if you're very young, I want you to think about it too. Like, what are you afraid of? Like, what kind of thing makes you afraid? And I had a couple examples that I thought I might show. Um, some things I ran... Uh, this, I saw this video this week online. If you go show the first one. This is something that... Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Jason Richardson said, shut the door, burn it down. That's exactly the reaction to that. So, okay, you can stop that one. You can stop that one. Okay, so, so if you see a snake in the bathroom. But when I was, a, when I was a, um, a little kid, there was a specific scene in a specific movie that I, I'll be honest, standing here right now today, I still don't quite understand why this movie, this part is in this. But go to show the second one. This is another gif that I found. Um, this scene in this old Willy Wonka movie when they're in the boat and there's like bugs and stuff, I have no idea what that's about. And I think I still hate it now. And I think Pastor Jeff and I share this in common. It's like, what is happening and why? And uh, um, when I was a kid, I was totally afraid of that. So anyway... But really, uh, what I wanted to talk about um, is not exactly those kinds of fears. You know, if we saw a snake like that in the bathroom, of course we'd be afraid of it. And, you know, the Willy Wonka scene that shouldn't exist, you know, maybe we're afraid of that as well. But I really want to get to our real fears. Like, what do we really spend our time afraid of? And what are the things we Google about? You know, what are the things that occupy a lot of space in our brains? That's the kind of fear that we want to talk about. Because when you look at fear, um, human beings really have, like people have studied this, they only have two inborn fears. One is a fear of falling, and the other is a fear of loud noises. And those come just baked in. Like when you're born, you are afraid of falling, and you're afraid of loud noises. And all of the rest of them have been learned and influenced by your environment and your culture. So like my culture our culture, we might be afraid of something that somebody in another culture isn't just because they haven't either learned to be or maybe we shouldn't be afraid of it. You see what I'm saying? We've learned all these other fears. And it's an interesting thing what fear is. Like it's a hardwired protective mechanism in our brains and in our bodies that triggers the fight or flight reaction. Y'all have heard this where it's like something's happening. My body needs to respond by fighting it or running away from it. <laughs> And it's a good thing that we have that because it helps us, you know, stay safe. And it's, I say hardwired, meaning that it's, uh, it's, it's parts of your brain that aren't even conscious that get triggered for this sort of thing. 
It just happens, you know. But at the same time, there's over 100 verses in the Bible where God instructs us not to be afraid. So how do we kind of put these two things together? Um, and when, I looked, when you look at this verse specifically, and we'll look at some others, 2 Timothy 1, uh, verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And if you read through 2 Timothy, and I suggest you do, it's a letter that most people believe Paul wrote, I believe that, to Timothy. Just a little side note. Sometimes when you, you, know, you look into these books, uh, people dispute over who wrote them because they're so old and people have, you know, and they'll look at, gosh, this language is different than this other book that we know this guy wrote. And so some people disagree. Some people think Paul didn't write this. Some people think that Paul wrote it, but he had another guy actually scribe writing it down. And that guy kind of had to fill in some gaps because there's a couple expressions in there like, I was even noticing as I was reading it this week, he kept saying, you know, this is a trustworthy saying. And you're like, gosh, I don't really remember reading that. And that actually, that phrasing was what people were like, yeah, I don't know if Paul wrote this. But anyway, point being, I think Paul wrote it or at least wrote it through somebody else and that kind of thing. It doesn't really matter. It's just interesting. Because um, this Bible is real. This is a real book that's been handed down for thousands of years. And so there's been a lot of time to think about it, you know. And so Paul is writing to Timothy as a young guy. You know, you see in another verse, you know, don't let him look down on you because you're young. I left you to run this thing. But he's talking to Timothy about he's encouraging him. He's encouraging him to stand up for the gospel, to stand up for God, to believe in himself, believe in God, and believe in the power that God's put in him. He's saying he didn't give you some translations say timidity here. This one's good because it says fear. And he's specifically addressing um, having confidence in who he is and who God is in him and that kind of thing and the breadth of that which would include fear of anything else in my mind. That's why I like the word fear being included. Timidity of like, you know, I'm not willing to stand up. That's like also a version of fear in a way. But he puts as the opposite, God doesn't give us this spirit of fear, meaning that we're not going to live a life directed by fear. We're not going to live a life controlled by fear. But instead, through Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, a life that's full of power, Love and a sound mind. I think these three things are very interesting. Power, obviously, is God we're talking about. You know, the guy who made everything. You think he's got the power thing figured out, okay? So I won't go into that too much just because I think it's so obvious. You know, if God is anything, he's powerful, okay? Love, though, is an interesting alternative to fear because um, it's very difficult to fear something you love. Uh, in that could get a little complex. We'll move on from that. But the point being that Jesus reveals God's love to us, and therefore that love is trustworthy. Okay? And that's the love that he has for us. But the one that stuck out to me this week, maybe because I'm a nerd, is the sound mind one. This is very interesting. Like I was saying, this fear, when we encounter fear, it triggers the sensory systems of our brain, like in our amygdala, which is like what we see and hear and all that kind of thing, and then how we immediately react to that. And it shoots adrenaline into your, um, your body, and it tells your heart to beat faster and all this kind of stuff so that you're ready to fight or flight, one of the two. Both of those take that sort of reaction. And then at the same time, there's a trigger to like the, uh, the cortical center of your brain, which is where your reasoning can take, or you're like, okay, wait, I don't need to be afraid of this, or you see what I'm saying? I've seen this before, this is not true, or whatever, you know, 
That's why you can go, ah, oh, it's, you know, just my kid jumping out at me. You see what I mean? Both of these things happen at the same time. But here's what I want to, the reason I think this is an important verse, and this is what I think the Lord is saying today, is this, God has not given us a spirit of fear. I think the spirit of fear is one of the dominant spirits that is controlling our current world. Okay? And when we say spirit of fear, the language that's used there isn't literally meaning like a ghost or like, you know, you would even say maybe the Holy Spirit. It's more like a general sense, like the sense of fear. This corporate sensation of fear would be a more better idea of how that's used, you know, um, than like an embodied spirit with like a consciousness. You follow what I'm saying by that? So it's not like a ghost, but like the way we all feel. But either one probably works. But the idea is got that this spirit of fear is so dominant in our world today. And so I think it's interesting that God talks about trusting his power, trusting his love, and having a sound mind that we can take into account all these things and don't have to react with this fight-or-flight sense. But even deeper than that, I think that many of us, when I talked about the real fears, the Google fears, the things that we spend our time thinking about, I suspect that a large number of those are not even real. So it's, in my mind, reasonable to be, if we even want to use the word the same way, afraid of a snake like that in the bathroom. Don't go in there, you know. But the spirit of fear that dominates us, I think, is mostly lying to us in our brain, triggering this fight-or-flight response to an enemy that's not even real. So we're living in a pseudo, like a conscious, a constant state of fear that's, that's, that's imaginary, of our own making or of the, uh, the work of the enemy. Um, so I'm going to read a few other verses. I said there was over 100 times in the Bible that God instructs us not to be afraid. I have a few here that I think actually will apply for this day, and then we're going we're gonna to close. This is a pretty simple message for us today. So... I have John 14, 27. I'm just going to read these and then kind of apply them a little bit. But you'll know how they apply because they're, they're so obvious. This is Jesus talking. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. I think this verse to me speaks so much to these false fears. Um... And I was talking with James before the uh, service. We were talking about this, not as the world gives to you. And as I've always read this, you know, the world can offer us peace, but it's so limited and it's so conditional. Like I can say, I can get you peace for a little while here because I have this much control or this much. But start to upset too many of those things, it starts to fall apart. Jesus is the only one who can offer his peace, which he gives. My peace I give to you, and it's not the same junky peace that anybody else can offer. It's complete, and it, and it covers all power, all love, and a sound mind. He knows what he's doing. And I think that weapon alone could solve most of our false fears if we would just listen to him. But I'm going to read some more. Romans 8.15. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. 
The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Slaves to fear here, you see. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And that's Romans 8, 14 and 15, actually. So um, I was reading an article this week, and it talked about, um, it was a neuroscientist that was saying that they, you know, they had demonstrated, I didn't read all of it, but the point was, of this point was that children experiencing a horrible situation that's outside of their family, if you follow what I mean, like a war or these sorts of things, psychologically can do fine as long as they have their parents and know their parents are doing their best to take care of things. But children, even in a good situation with the parents, like, going crazy or something, you know, can be damaged. In, you, know, you see what I'm saying? So the strength of children can come so much just from the parents. You know, not 100%, but they were just talking about this issue here. And the idea that God is our Father can give us such a peace in spite of any situation. Because there's going to be situations. This life of following Jesus is not situation-less, if you understand what I mean by that. But if this neuroscientist, who I'm pretty sure is probably not a Christian, um, is telling us this, this from just kind of scientific whatever, you know, um, how much, I mean, gosh, this, it's, I think it's just the Lord making, himself, the, the truth making itself known, you know. Because some of us have had bad parents and bad situations. Some of us have had bad parents. Now we have good parents. Even our good parents aren't as good as God is as a father. And that should be able to bring great peace to us. Now I'm going to meddle a little bit. Isaiah 8, 12 to 13. Because I think so many of us in this season that we're going into with the election and all this kind of stuff, we start to get really fearful about an outcome that isn't the one we're hoping for. This is what Isaiah says. Do not call conspiracy everything this people calls a conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. He is the one you are to dread. (laughs) I think that speaks for itself. But when you're reading on the news or social media, and if the culmination of that reading is a triggering of this fight or flight response that I was telling you about, your heart is beating faster, you're sweating, there's a sense of adrenaline there, that's called fear. So if what you're reading is causing you to fear, my suggestion would be to stop and pray (laughs) at least a little bit. Because sometimes the news is going to be bad. But we live in a world where the news has been reconfigured and manufactured to trigger this response because it sells and they make money. (laughs) And we all buy it. (laughs) And by buy it, I mean click on it. So it's not like we can just get mad at them. But the election, like if if you are sitting in a spot where you feel like if this person doesn't win, then everything is over. You need to read this verse. So write this down, Isaiah 8, 12 through 13. Because you need to remember that, you know, the Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. He is the one you are to dread. And I'm going to say even a little deeper, because I've been thinking about this for a very long time. 
and I'm not trying to really start anything, but I just want to make some things clear. <laughs> there are plenty of people always that are trying to grab at power and grab at money. That's how the world works. That's how it worked thousands of years ago. That's why there's Bible verses about it. So to be surprised by that, just wake up a little bit, you know? Now, at the same time, when we talk about conspiracies, organization, like what we're seeing isn't real and there's all these other things going on in the background, we've got to be really careful with that because so often those are wrong. Every once in a while, they get one. We just got to be careful with that, especially if what attracts us to that is fear. So when I hear people talking to me about religious persecution in our country or our religious liberties, which, guys, I'm, a, I'm an American. I like religious liberties. I celebrate that. I'm happy we have that, and I'm okay. But when people come at me with, you need to wake up about X, Y, Z because they, whoever they are, the deep state or something, want to take away your religious liberties, my response to them is, let them try. I'm not afraid of these people. They all try to shut the whole thing down. They're not going to win. Have you read the end of this book? And frankly, look where the church has been growing for the last hundred years. It ain't where everybody's got religious liberty, okay? So we don't have to be afraid of it. I'm not saying whether or not they're even trying to do it. Some places they probably are. I'm just telling you I'm not afraid of it, and you shouldn't be either. Because God is the one to be feared. I saw this tweet. So, <laughs> this is by Dr. Mark Rutland. I know we talk about social media and say get off it. I saw this tweet. All right. History is not happening to God. He is not watching the news to find out what is going. I guess it means what is going on. Then attempting to plan his response. God is the God of human history. God is also in history. Or I'm reading this poorly. Let me try again. <laughs> History is not happening to God. He is not watching the news to find out what is going, then attempting to plan a response. God is the God of human history. He is also God in history. He is on his throne, unshaken, immovable, unperturbed, and incorruptible. Rest. That's from Dr. Mark Rutland. And I thought that totally addressed this. So God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and love and a sound mind. And we can live as people like that. But I want to have, uh, I want to have uh, uh, two more additional notes um, so that, just to give some context. Because, you know, I'll just tell you what they are and then we'll go through them. The two additional notes are this. This is not a license to be foolish and this world will be difficult. Okay, those are the two things. So, not, not living in a spirit of fear does not mean that, uh, like, if I told you, hey, I'm going to start doing all this cooking, and, you know, you know, and we're going to bake some stuff, and you say, hey, we need to take this out of the oven, where's the hot pad? And I say to you, I don't need that because I'm not afraid of the oven. You would go... I don't understand what you're talking about. Like, this isn't about fear. Like, that'll burn your skin. And I go, I'm not afraid. Are you afraid? You're scared of the oven? And they're like, see how this just breaks down immediately? It's like, that's not what we're talking about. This isn't a license to be foolish. Like, when you're a kid and your parents say, hey, you know, 
don't jump out of that window. You might get hurt. You go, I'm not afraid. Again, the same sort of logic starts to come in. There are limits to it, but um, my point is, this isn't a license to be foolish, and certainly not a license to be foolish and then blame it on God. You know, come on up, Kayla, we'll start something. And then the other thing is this. This world will be difficult, okay? God even says that Jesus talks about when we follow him, that we're to take up our cross and follow him. And so that even implies to me that not only will, you know, is suffering just part of this life, but that when, we're, when we are followers of Jesus, we willingly take on more suffering for the sake of God and his kingdom. You understand what I'm saying? That's the context of where loving your enemy starts to make sense. Or Jesus hanging on a cross can say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. When they're trying to take away his religious liberties, he's saying, forgive them. They know not what they do. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because our trust can come in the future of what God, like, God has promised that he's going to make all the wrong things right. And we'll reign with him forever. We don't have to worry about the same things that everybody has to worry about. If you should be smart, you should save money, you should take care of things, you should. I mean, these are the kinds of things God commends. You can read the book of Proverbs. It's all full of this. But our hope is in heaven. Our hope is with the Lord. Our hope is in the kingdom of God. Okay? And so... Because of that, we don't have to worry the same way about all these things. God can take things. He can give more. We don't have to worry the same way. You can read, like I said, this book was written by Paul. And you can read the other books that Paul wrote. There's times when Paul had plenty of things. And there's times when Paul's in prison. This is one where he was in prison writing. And so he's not changing his message because he's like, well, now I'm mad at God because I'm in jail. You know, frankly, some of the times he's saying, this is great. Because now I've been able to preach to all these guys, and now they're like, now they're all starting to know who God is, and jokes on them. You know, you try to take, take, try to stop it. You know, whoever you are, try to stop it. He's like, you can't. It just doesn't work that way. Right after Isaiah eight, Isaiah nine. This is a verse we always read at Christmas, but I'm going to read this, and I'm going to have Kayla sing, and it sets just a great picture. Of the hope. And this is written to people that exile is coming. They're in a bad spot. Um, the kingdom of Israel is at this time. That's why there are conspiracies, because bad things were happening. People were trying to take over, people were trying to invade. They get invaded. This isn't a happy, this isn't like at a happy time, you see? And Isaiah has this to say. Like, kind of, we don't have to worry, guys. It says this in Isaiah 9, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, established and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forevermore. 
the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So I want you to think back. When I ask you to think about some sort of Google fear or the real fear that occupies so much of your life. And here's the thing. Some of of these things, which I said, like a lot of these aren't even real. Some of them are. But Jesus has this to say to you. In John 16, he says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. So whether the thing that bothers you the most that you're maybe even embarrassed to share, because to you, the thing that might bother you the most, other people would say, well, that's just a first world problem. I mean, maybe you're just worried about going to a new school. God cares about that. But you can be of good cheer because God has overcome the world and the world includes this new school. So you can be maybe nervous about a new job or a new school or you know maybe focused or maybe excited but we don't need to be afraid. So during this song, just take a moment and spend some time with God. Let let them sing it over you. And let God minister to your heart about whatever this fear is. Because he's overcome it, whatever it is. Lord, I just pray that you would do that to our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. Oh.